If you would look with me in your Bible to the book of Revelation to chapter 5. The book of Revelation and in chapter 5, I'd like for us to read verses 1 through <coughs> verse 10 of this chapter. We began this morning by singing the hymn, Victory in Jesus. That is the title of our message today, Victory in Jesus. Revelation chapter 5, I began in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth Neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hath redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Victory in Jesus. When I think about that hymn that we were singing in this passage of Scripture, if you'll notice verse 5, I'm going to read that again. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lime of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. There's the victory in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the victor. You and I only have victory as we are in Jesus Christ. And there again is the importance of being in Christ. You remember a little while back I brought a message from Ephesians 1. How that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
separate and apart from Jesus, we are not victors, but separate from Him, we are eternally defeated by sin. We are eternally defeated and separated from God. I say again, our victory is in Jesus. There's no victory for us apart from Him. If He did not conquer and prevail, neither shall we. If He did not conquer and prevail, we have no victory. If He is defeated, we are defeated. If He does not conquer, we do not conquer. We're told in the Scripture, without Him, we can do nothing. We are nothing and can do nothing. I want to go to the book of Romans in chapter 8. Romans and in chapter 8, remembering that we are in Christ, He is the one that has prevailed, and our, our blessing of being in Him. Romans in chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Here's what I want you to notice. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Let me mention that again. We are not simply conquerors. We are more than conquerors, but it is only through Him. Through Him that loved us. Remove the Him, we certainly are not conquerors. But in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Now going back to Revelation 5 once again. In Revelation and in chapter, chapter 5, and I'll read it again. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book 
and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now notice what you read. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. But note the wording in Revelation 6 and in verse 1. John did write, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Do you notice something here? It was the line of the tribe of Judah in chapter 5 that hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. But it was the slain Lamb of God who in chapter 6 and in verse 1 opened one of these seals. I cannot explain that. I, I, I'm reminded over and over again just how little we know about the prevailing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for what knowledge that we have, but there's so much that is in depth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, in chapter 5 and in verse 5, the line of the tribe of Judah. In chapter 5 and in verse 6, he is that lamb as it had been slain. Chapter 6 and in verse 1, it is the slain lamb who opened one of the books. And again, I cannot explain every detail of that. I'm just simply thankful that we have this written in the Word of God. I've heard practically all of my life preachers say, in various different messages, that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. I've never heard anyone fully explain that, have you? Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, what people say. Well, I just don't really know about that. I'm thankful for what is stated in Revelation chapter 5 and in verse 5, this prevailing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He hath prevailed. He hath prevailed. And as we've already noted, because He prevails, you and I being in Christ, we prevail in Him and through Him. I'm going to the book of Romans once again, this time to chapter 11. Romans, and in chapter 11, and I'm going to read verse 33, and I'm reminded of this in my personal study in life over and over again. Romans 8, and in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. There I am with the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The desire to know more and more about Jesus. But our minds are, are finite and we're dealing with an infinite person and the depth of His work is beyond you and I 
finding out. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, there are some secret things that just belong unto the Lord. And that passage in Revelation where in one case we have the lion, in other case we have the lamb, and you try to put the lamb and the lion together and you've got a problem in your understanding. But I know it was the lamb of God that was slain. I know it was the line of the tribe of Judah that did prevail. I want us to notice this morning some things concerning Jesus. I'm going back to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 53. As I turn there, I know this is not new ground to any of us. It is very familiar territory, but... We go to it over and over again. And I want us to look at it again as we look at the victory in Jesus, how He has prevailed. Isaiah chapter 53, and I began in verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant and as a root, out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet... It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, he shall, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now we've read that passage over the years numerous times. Hope the Lord willing to read it many more times. But I want to go back and just point out some things, some words that are used here in this great prophecy of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, the word despised is used twice. You know, we can just say that and read it without giving it any thought. But think of who he is. Think of who he is. And we're told despised. We're told in verse 3, he is a man of sorrows. Verse 4, Stricken, smitten, and afflicted. In verse 5, wounded and bruised. Verse 7, oppressed and afflicted. Verse 8, cut off. Cut off and stricken. Verse 10, bruised and put to grief. All of these words that are used by the prophet Isaiah point us to the tremendous suffering, humiliation of Jesus Christ that was yet to come. As we think about just these words that I have pointed out, I think as we look at the suffering that is involved there, there is even more suffering that is going to be involved. There's going to be a far greater uh, suffering than the words that we have pointed out. Notice in verse 10, if you would, His soul an offering for sin. There is a transition here from the bodily suffering, pain and agony, to something in his very soul. His soul made an offering for sin. Verse 11 speaks about the travail of his soul. Verse 12, he hath poured out his soul unto death. And I see how it all builds up to the soul suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I don't know who was the first to say this, but it's been said, repeated, and I've used it on many different occasions. Jesus' soul suffering was the soul of His suffering. You get to the very heart of His suffering when you get to the suffering of the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew and in chapter 26. Now I want to read verse 36 through verse 38. Matthew 26 
beginning in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. Now, there's much that we can learn here and look at concerning the soul suffering of Jesus Christ. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. A lesson for you and I. Follow the example of Jesus. When Jesus' soul was troubled, what did he do? What did you notice in the text? Verse 38 and verse 39. He prayed. When his soul was exceedingly sorrowful unto death, what did he do? He prayed. Have you ever had trouble of soul? Has your soul ever been troubled? Well, if it has or it will be in the future, follow the example of Jesus. Pray. Pray. Don't fret. Don't worry. Go not, do not go into some kind of a tizzy. Pray. What Jesus did. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful and he prayed. Look in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews and in chapter 5. Hebrews and in chapter 5 and in verse 7. Hebrews 5 and in verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Jesus had soul suffering. His soul was troubled. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And he prayed. He prayed. I'm going back to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah again. Isaiah and in chapter 53. In verse 4. We read that he was smitten of God. Good place just to meditate. What he endured. He was smitten of God. In verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And it says, He hath put him to grief. He hath put him to grief. Now I have 
two questions. First of all, how could it be? You ever just wonder how is it that some things could be? How could it be that it pleased the Lord to bruise His only begotten Son? Note again the words in Isaiah 53 and in verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. Notice the next word. Put your emphasis there. He hath put him to grief. Not the Jews. Was not Pilate. It was not the Roman soldiers. Who was it that put him to grief? He was smitten of God and afflicted. Now I'm going to go back to the book of Genesis just a moment. I want you to keep that thought in mind that his father put him to grief. In Genesis and in chapter 18, Genesis and in chapter 18, there is a question in the latter part of verse 25. It's a question that I think must be considered when we read what we have in Isaiah 53, that he is smitten of God. And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. This question in the latter part of uh, Genesis 18.25, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? You go from there with me to the book of Psalm to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Verse 17. Psalm 145 verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. I'll just go to another place. Romans chapter 1. Romans and in chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 16 and verse 17. Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 16. The Apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Notice he's speaking about the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Then in verse 17, for therein, Therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. The judge of all the earth must do right. He is righteous 
and holy in all of his ways. So how could it be? How could it be that God, the righteous, holy judge who must do right, how could it be he would smite his own son? He would put him to grief. It brings me to my second question. Would a perfect, holy, righteous judge punish a sinless, perfect man for crimes he did not commit. Would a holy judge do that? Would the judge of all the earth do that? Punish someone for sins and crimes that he did not commit? Well, the answer is certainly yes, he would. And he did. How do you explain it? How do you justify the action of God in putting to grief his innocent son? Well, again, the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals the righteousness of God and how he can be both the just and the justifier of the ungodly. And it carries you to the very heart of the gospel, to the matter of substitution. Substitution. Here is the only way, only way that God can remain holy and just and righteous in all of his ways, yet punish his innocent son. His son stood as our substitute. Hebrews in chapter 7. The book of Hebrews and in chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 22. Hebrews 7 verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. A surety. A surety. It's the only time that this word that's translated surety is used in the New Testament. It's here, a surety. Look back to Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah and in chapter 38. Now I won't read all of this context for sake of time, but if you notice in verse 9, it's the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. And you could read the rest of that at another time. But notice the last words of verse 14. He said, undertake for me. Undertake for me. Those words in the original language mean be my surety. Be my surety. As he prayed to his God. Hebrews 7, I'm not going back there, verse, chapter 7, 22. A surety. He was made a, a surety. We get the word bail or bondsman 
from that same word that's translated surety. One who personally guarantees the payment of a debt. If you want to really find out what it means, just sign a note for someone and you'll probably find out one that co-signs the note's going to wind up paying. Jesus is our surety. On the wall in my office, have a little thing on the wall that says Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe because we had a debt that we could not pay. As our surety, he paid the debt. He paid a debt. We owed the debt, but we were spiritually bankrupt. No means at all to pay the debt. But Jesus, Paid the debt. He paid the penalty of our sins. But in order to do this, there's a stipulation. In order for Jesus to pay my sin debt or your sin debt, there is a stipulation. He must remain sinless. Perfectly sinless. He could not pay for anyone else's sins if he has sin of his own. It has to be the perfect Lamb of God. He must remain holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners in order to pay the sinner's debt. And in this, Jesus prevailed. Jesus prevailed. That carries me back to our text. The prevailing of Jesus Christ. He prevailed. In order to be our Savior, He must prevail over uh, human nature. He must prevail over all temptations. And He did prevail. He never yielded. He was never tainted by sins. Nor did he ever yield to any temptation in his suffering and his death. He prevailed. In his resurrection and his ascension into glory, he hath prevailed. And he's not only prevailed, according to our text, to open the books and to loose the seals thereof, he has prevailed in bringing many sons unto glory. All that the Father has given him, he will bring to glory with him. He suffered and he died as the Lamb of God. He has prevailed as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We began with victory in Jesus and only in Jesus. And we read, that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How could that be if he did not conquer? If he did not conquer. He must prevail in order for us to prevail in him and through him. And we can thank God, the Bible says, 
the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. Will the Royce come and lead us? Let's stand together.